For most parents, loving our kids is as natural as breathing. It's just wired into us. And though they would have usually agreed that we really do love them, our kids may not necessarily always agree that we always make them feel loved, at least not in the way that fosters security and emotional well-being. Well, today we want to help you understand how to foster that security and emotional well-being in your children. We'll be talking to Dr. Gary Chapman. He's the Five Love Languages guy. And today we'll be speaking about his book, The Five Love Languages of Children. That's next on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm glad you joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach at Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry. Trace is also the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. Well, Trace, by now, I think most of our listeners have, or at least some, have heard of the concept of Dr. Chapman's five love languages. But I'm not sure that many could name them all at the drop of a hat. Let me see if I can name them. I know there's touch, and there's service, and there's gifts. That's three. Uh, I don't think I'm making all you didn't make the it. five. <laughs> I, I didn't make it. Um, let me see here. I'm there's two ask more. Him. Uh, I'm going to ask him. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think that there are probably many parents like me who don't know what the five love languages are. They know what possibly they are, what they have as a love language, but they don't know. And so therefore, they probably don't even know how to apply it to their kids yeah. on a routine basis. Yeah. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I'm a bit embarrassed that uh, we haven't had Dr. Chapman on the Licensed mm. to Parent broadcast before today. How that got overlooked is anyone's guess. I'm going to blame you and Carl. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe genuine <laughs> apology strong. could be the sixth mm. love language. Uh, I, I do know this. I, I wish I would have had the five love languages for children when Beth and I first started having kids because you know, it's just so rich with helpful insights into not just the importance of what unconditional love truly is, but exactly how that love is actually received by our kids. Uh, you know, generally speaking, here in America anyway, I think you know, we might have a more shallow understanding of the word love than other countries where English isn't their first language. Uh, we use the word love in a lot of different applications, whereas other languages have different terms that better clarify the kind of love that, that one's talking about. I mean, we use love to describe the feelings we have for a friend or, or even for a pet or for a family member or the food we like. But we also use the same word love when we're speaking of intimacy with a spouse. So things get a little convoluted. M many of today's kids and adults alike conflate love with mere feelings. So there's sort of a what's-in-it-for-me mentality that can dominate here. Mm. Uh, yet in God's economy, if there's a dominating factor in love, it should probably be what's in it for the other person. I think too many folks have forgotten the sacrificial component to love that is so replete in Scripture and self-evident in the life of the genuine Christian, or at least it should be. Uh, there's intentionality and choice in the love equation also. So I think when parents get the, the, these love languages figured out, mm. they'll go a long way toward building a happier, healthier home, mm -hmm. which will make our child rearing experience a joy rather than a burden. 
Well, our guest today, Trace, is going to help us with this. Our guest needs almost no introduction because I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people or most people know who Dr. Gary Chapman is because he is best known for helping to improve or heal our most important relationships. Since the success of his first book, Dr. Chapman has expanded the Love Language series to specifically reach out to teens, singles, men, children, military families. Dr. Chapman is a pastor. He's a, a marriage counselor, conference speaker, and author. But most importantly, today he is our friend and he's helping us understand your child as we dive into his book, The Five Love Languages for Children. Well, Dr. Chapman has uh, given me the liberty to call him Gary. So Gary, <laughs> welcome to License to Parent. It's an honor to have you on. Yes. Thank you, Trace. Good to be with you and Michelle. Well, so for those who are not familiar with the five love languages, Michelle tried to, you know, spit those out. I bet you can, either, but, uh, <laughs> can you. Can you give us a brief overview of what they are? Yeah, these are five fundamental ways to express love to a child or to an adult, for that matter. And uh, the basic idea is that each of us has one of these languages as our primary language. And if the child doesn't feel loved, it's because we're not speaking their primary love language. So to parents, I say, uh, the question is not, do you love your children? The question is, do your children feel loved? Right. Well, almost everybody agrees that meeting this deep emotional need for love is one of the most significant things in parenting children. So here are the five that I discovered, and they're in no particular order. Uh, one is obviously physical touch. We've long known the emotional power of physical touch. That's why we pick up babies mm -hmm. and hold them and kiss them and cuddle them. And long before the baby understands the meaning of the word love, the baby feels love by physical touch. Mm -hmm. So physical touch is one of the love languages. Another is words of affirmation. Simply looking for things about that child that you can affirm. You know, I really like your smile. You know, one of the things I like about you is mm -hmm. I notice how you help other people. You know, when someone is in a problem, you move in, you try to help them. Just looking for things that you can genuinely affirm them verbally. Uh, but now, I would say this, and particularly with children, you affirm their effort, not perfection. I remember a 13-year-old who said to me, Dr. Chapman, he said, uh, he said, I can't ever please my father. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, if I play ball and get a double, he'll say, you should have made a triple. You've got to learn how to run. Right. And he said, if I mow the grass, my father will say, you didn't get under the bushes. Can't you see the grass under the bushes? You know, and I knew what his father was trying to do. He was trying to challenge him to do his best. But what the child was hearing is, I don't ever please my father. So, you know, the time to correct a child or help a child, for example, stretch a double into a triple, is not the day he made the double. That's the day you praise him for the double. Mm -hmm. And then maybe next week you can say, hey, son, I want to show you something. Sometimes you can turn a double into a triple, and you show him how to run and slide into third base, and if you don't break your ankle, maybe you can help him learn that, you know. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That good. That's just so important, I think, because we, we want to continue spurring our kids on, but yet we've got to celebrate those little things and then later say, this is how you can make yeah, it bigger. Absolutely, absolutely. A uh, third love language is acts of service, doing something for the child that you know they need to be done. Actually, this one, we're forced to speak from the day they're born because the infant can do nothing. We have sure. to do it all 
you know, we put the food in, we take the food out. I mean, we, we do it all. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we continue to speak this language by teaching the child how to do things as they begin to get older for themselves. So, uh, you know, the old saying, actions speak louder than words. And so if a child is saying to you, you know, my, my bicycle chain has been broken for a week now. You see, they're complaining that you haven't done that for them. They can't do it for themselves, and they're asking you to do it for them. So acts of service is, uh, is one of the languages. Gifts is another language. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. The gift says they were thinking about me. Look, look what they got from mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we have to acknowledge that the word gift comes from the word grace, which means unmerited favor. Uh, for example, you, you express love when you just give the gift, not because the child is worthy of it. Now, if you say to a child, for example, I'll buy you those shoes if you'll clean your room, it's no longer a gift. It's right. you, you just paying them for what they did. And another thing is, some, yeah, sometimes we don't get credit for our gifts because we don't present them as a gift. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. in every fall we buy school clothes and school supplies. But sometimes we just wash them and put them in the drawer, and the kid doesn't have a concept that they were given anything. So why not wrap them up like you do on birthdays and present it as a gift in front of the whole family? Yeah. And you get, you, you get emotional credit for it. And sure. then number five is quality time. Giving the child your undivided attention. And for some children, this is their language, and they will beg you <laughs> to spend time with them. Mommy, can we play? Can we play now, Mommy? Can we play? (laughs) And they're asking you for quality time for them. So out of the five, as I said, each child has a primary love language. And the parent must discover that language and then choose to speak it on a regular basis if they want that child to genuinely feel Mm -hmm. loved. Now, we hear a lot of uh, quote-unquote parenting experts uh, say that quality time equals quantity time. How do you respond to that? Well, yes, I think uh, certainly a certain amount of quantity is, is important. <laughs> you can't do any of these things without spending quantity time. If this is their primary language, then the, the quality of that time, the undivided attention is super, super important to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think uh, every, raising children requires time. You know, one of the saddest things I encountered just not recently, I was at a funeral and was out at the cemetery and was a young man in his 20s. And after everything was over, I didn't know him and never met him, but his father was the one who died. And I said, uh, how'd you and your father get along? And he said, uh, I, I never really knew my father. I said, really? I said, uh, he, he, what do you mean? He said, well, he worked five days a week and he was always out of town. He came back on Friday night and all day Saturday he played golf with his friends. And all day Sunday afternoon he watched, watched TV. He said, I, I just never, I never got to know my father. And I walked so away sad. with tears in my eyes, you know, yeah. I thought, man, how sad. Yeah. He provided, you know, he provided uh, for the family as far as physical things, but emotionally, yeah. that, that child not only didn't feel love, he didn't even feel he was known by his father. You may have heard mm. this story before, and I'm going to see if I can recall it. I know we're coming up on a break. Uh, it was a story of a little kid, I think he was like nine years old. And I don't honestly know if it was true or made up. The guy who I heard it from uh, spoke it as if it was true. But he had a workaholic father, and a uh, uh, little nine-year-old Johnny wanted to go fishing, and he begged his dad to go fishing all the time. But dad was always too busy. And finally one day, you know, he told Johnny, I'm going to take you fishing. Uh, I'm going to pencil out Friday to take you fishing. 
And they did, they had a great time. And lo and behold, it was, I don't know, six months later, dad has a heart attack at an early age, dies. Go to the funeral, someone asked little Johnny, what was your most memorable time with your father? And he says the day that he actually took time off work to go fishing. And then it was uh, subsequent to that, that uh, little Johnny was going through his dad's day timer and went to that date and everything was booked except for that date, it was one entry. And the entry was, took Johnny fishing, wasted day. <clears throat> That's tough to take. Well, and well. it is kind of the mentality of a lot of dads today, and, and uh, that's got to change. Our guest today, Unlicensed Apparent, is Gary Chapman. Trace Embry, Gary, and I will be right back to continue our conversation on the five love languages for children. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherd's Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. Shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. That's shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Hi folks, Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a nature-based therapy program for teens in crisis. And today we are helping you, the parent, understand your child better through their love languages. Our guest is Dr. Gary Chapman, the author of The Five Love Languages for Children. Well, Gary, is any one of the love languages more important than the others? And can Junior have more than one? I think each child has what I call a primary love language. And if you don't speak that primary language, they will not feel loved, even though you speak some of the other languages. And that's the simple concept. And if parents get that concept and understand that, and you can discover a child's love language by the time they're four years old. I mean, 
Well, my son, really? How? By observing their behavior. How, how do they respond to you? Okay. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my son, for example, his language is physical touch. When he was that age, I would come home from work in the afternoon and he'd run to the door, grab my legs and climb on me. He's touching me because he wants to be touched. Our daughter right. never did that. At that age, our daughter would say, Daddy, come into my room. I want to show you something. She wanted quality time. She wanted my undivided attention. So it's there very early in a child's life. And so now, can they have another language that may be almost as important? Yes. I think sometimes a a secondary love language can be almost as important as the other. Sometimes I call, I say, you know, those people are bilingual. You know, either one one of those is going to speak deeply to them. But for the most part, one of them stands out above the other four. Now, all of them are important. Don't, don't hear me saying you only speak a child's primary love language. No, no, no. Right. Heavy right. doses of the primary, but you also Ooh. speak the other four because we want that child to learn how to receive love and give love in all five languages. That's the healthiest mm-hmm. adult. Most of us did not receive all five growing up. So we came to adulthood, and we don't feel comfortable speaking some of these languages because we didn't get them as a child ourselves. So, mm-hmm. But if you don't give the heavy doses of the primary, uh, they, they will not feel loved even though you're speaking some of the other languages. So, Gary, what I'm hearing from you is that the parent needs to be in tune and observant to their child and their child's actions to really figure out what their love language is. Absolutely. Observing their behavior, how they respond to you and other people on, a, on a just a daily life basis. But another way is, what do they complain about most often? The complaint of the child reveals the love language. For example, a mother said to me recently, she said, Gary, my six-year-old son said to me the other day, we don't ever go to the park anymore since the baby came. You Uh, see, before the baby came, he had his mother's undivided attention at the park. But now the baby's here, and he's not getting that. So what do they complain about most often? And then also, what do they request of you most often? Yeah. You know, my, my daughter's most common request when she was in middle school was, Dad, can we take a walk together after dinner? So, again, she's asking me for quality time. And my yeah. son, on the other hand, would never walk with me. He said, walking is done. You're not going anywhere. If you're going somewhere, drive. <laughs> he would say, his, his request was, Dad, can we play basketball after dinner? And in the way yeah. we played basketball in the backyard, it was physical, okay? There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you put those three things together. Observe their behavior, how they respond to you and other people. What do they request most often and what do they complain about most often? Mm. And it's pretty easy to figure out a child's love language. That's good. When a child's love language is gifts... Is there any reason to believe... I love a gift. I love a good gift. <laughs> you're female. That's, that's, that's part of your job description. Uh, but if we, when your child's love language is gifts, uh, is there any reason to believe that we might have a materialistic narcissist in the making? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Uh, I, I say to parents, now remember, you're the one that's in control here. You're the parent. You, know, you don't give a child everything they ask for. You give them gifts that you believe would be meaningful to them at that stage of life. Even God doesn't give us everything we ask for. I'm grateful for right. that. Otherwise, I'd have married the wrong woman. You know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So no, we, we use our judgment as to what would be. And so if a child's asking for a particular gift and you don't think it's the time for them to have that, you just say, honey, I love you very much. And someday I will give you that. 
But right yeah. now, I don't think mm-hmm. you're at the stage in life where that would be helpful to you. So I love you too much to give it to you right now. But someday I will, you know. So uh, you, you, you express that it's okay for them to express the desire. But I don't think that receiving gifts necessarily indicates that they're going to grow up to be narcissistic. Uh, listen, God. Now, how do we figure that out if, if their love language is <coughs> gifts? Because for most kids are excited to get a gift or like Christmas comes and everybody's ripping through those presents. How, how, do, you, how do you figure that out that that would be a primary? Well, here a couple said to me this. We had two daughters, and they're about a year different in age. So we would go on a trip, and we would each buy each of them the same gift. Like if it was a teddy bear, we'd buy two teddy bears, just different colors. And said so, so we would give the one a teddy bear to the daughter, and she would just ooh and ah, and she would give it a name. And when her grandmother came over, she would show her the you know the, the teddy bear, and the other daughter. Uh, would would say, well, thank you very much. And she would throw it over on the couch. And mm. we thought she was ungrateful. You know, one was grateful and the other was ungrateful until we understood. Yeah. The first one, gifts was her language. That's why she was ooing and aahing so much. The other one was quality time. What she would say is to her parents, I want to see your pictures. I want to see your pictures. And she wanted to sit down on the couch with them and let them yeah. go through the pictures they had made while they were on this trip. So she wanted quality time. And they said it helped us understand it wasn't that she just didn't appreciate the teddy bear. It's just that she responded in a different way because what she wanted was that quality time with her parents right. after they got home from the trip. Well, maybe one answer is to get a decorative box with some ribbon around it and inside of it. Uh, just have a card that says no. <laughs> That's giving them a gift. <laughs> well, you know, if the child's love language is gifts, it doesn't have to be an expensive gift. Yeah, right. It can be a little candy bar you know is their favorite candy bar, hmm. and you 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 picked it up when you were at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it can be it can be a stone in a city parking lot. Yeah. And you oh. take it home and give it to an eight-year-old boy and say, hey, man, I found this today. I thought about you. That's... Look at the colors in here, man. I wanted you to have this. So if gifts is his love language, you'll find that stone in his dresser drawer when he's 20, 30. Mm-hmm. And he'll remember mm-hmm. the day you gave it that's, to him. That's true. Have you ever talked to a, with a, a, a parent who couldn't figure out what their child's love language is? Well, some have had difficulty in the beginning until they get the concept down. But once they look at those three things that I mentioned, it's really not that difficult. And, you know, if those three fail, you know, then one would be give them a choice between two things and do it uh, uh, several times. Like, for example, say, you know, I've, I've got some time this afternoon. Would you like for us to take a walk in the park? Or would you like for us to go uh, buy that uh, new ball glove that you want? Mm-hmm. One's a gift, one's, one's quality time, mm-hmm. so they choose. You keep a record of what they choose from time to time as you offer them choices, and you'll find that they're their choice falls into one category more than another. So what happens if a parent, uh, uh, as a parent, you, de- you determine that uh, your child's love language is, say, physical touch. Uh, so you start trying to accommodate Junior with appropriate physical touch as much as you think necessary. And he seems to be okay with it, uh, enjoying it. Then he discovers your book, The Five Love Languages of Children, and proceeds to inform you in no uncertain terms that he's discovered his love language on his own, but it's words of affirmation. (laughs) How does a parent flip the switch without coming across patronizing? Well, I I would always be encouraging parents to be asking questions of children Mm -hmm. and teenagers. Uh, For example, 
On a scale of zero to 10, how much love do you feel coming from me? Mm-hmm. If they say anything less than 10, you say, well, what could I do to bring that up? Sure. And so, you know, and, and if, if it, they, on one day it may be one thing, another day it may be something else. That's why I said don't just speak the primary love language. Mm-hmm. But what on that particular day would be most meaningful to them? Yeah. And then choose to, and choose to do that. Okay. Why are there only five? Could it be a sixth one? <laughs> People have suggested to me a sixth love language. One of them said, you know, chocolate. I said, well, if you buy no, it, it's a gift. Yeah, if you course. make it, it's an act of service, you know. So I've never been dogmatic. These were the five I discovered mm-hmm. in my research, uh, you know, and, and anything else people have suggested in my mind to this point is always fit within one of these as a dialect within, you know, the, the, the primary language. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'm, I'm not dogmatic, uh, you know. Would discipline possibly be would? Because one of the things that we discovered with the kids that we deal with, because we deal with kids who are, they need a residential program. Uh, yeah. But what we discovered is their real appreciation for structure and, 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 and discipline. Someone to say, no, you can't yeah. do that, and yes, you must do this. Uh, yeah. They come to terms with that, and it, yeah. parents don't, they don't believe it. They don't believe their kids want boundaries, and, yeah. and yet they absolutely do want them. Not just need them, they want them. Can you speak to that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, uh, and that kind of structured life and that kind of discipline when they break rules uh, is an act of love, to be sure. But what I would say is this. Be sure that you wrap the discipline in their love language. Mm. For example, maybe you say to him, you know, Johnny, I just maybe his language is words. Uh, so you say, you know, uh, you know, I just want to tell you I'm so proud of you because you don't often break the rules, but you know you broke the rule this time, right? And you know what has to happen now, right? Because you've already told them what the consequences are, mm-hmm. and so so we'll have to do that. You'll have to you'll have to suffer the consequences. But I just want you to know how much I love you, how proud I am of you that you seldom break the rules. So you know you wrap the discipline in their love language, and the kid goes away feeling this was fair. You know I deserve this. I I, I have to suffer this. But if you just yell and scream at them and say, I told you not to do that. Now you did it already. And now you know what's going to have to happen. And now the kid walks away thinking, you know, I mess up one time and I get clocked, you know. Uh, So if you understand discipline wrapped in love and God's discipline is always in love. He disciplines us in a way that's meaningful to us. that will get us back on track. And that's the purpose of our discipline is to get them back on track. Thank you, Dr. Chapman, for spending this time with us and helping to unpack the love languages of our children. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Enjoyed being with you. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Gary Chapman. Today, we've been talking with Gary about his book, The Five Love Languages of Children. You can connect with Gary at fivelovelanguages.com or find out the love language that you and your children best respond to. That's at fivelovelanguages.com. That's five, the number five, lovelanguages.com. Gary does have a new book out. It's called Life-Changing Cross-Cultural Friendships, Healing Racial Divides One Relationship at a Time. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is an extension of Shepherds Hill Academy, our year-long Christ-centered wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. There are many reasons why parents and students come to us. Some are suicidal, addicted to games or phones. Some are alcoholic. Some have behavioral issues like anger. And if your teen is experiencing some of these behaviors, 
Contact us through our website, licensedparent.org, and see how we can help you and your child. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Daniel Fazina helps with guest relations. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.